with ADHD, we have to get out of our own heads and get out of our stories and beliefs that we aren't worthy, that we aren't worthy of being there just because the way we got there was slightly different or we did it in a way that wasn't sort of typical for other people. You know, actually, from a, an outsider's perspective, the way I, you know, started my podcast and did what I did, had a bit of trust, had a bit of faith and went for it. So. You know, if I'm looking at it from my coach head, I would be like celebrating, you know, my client right now. Yeah. But for me, it was like, I shouldn't be here. I'm an imposter. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Mother Mask. I'm your host, Annie Breen registered nutritional therapist, master NLP practitioner, and transformational coach for exhausted mums who don't feel enough. My mission with this podcast is to lead with vulnerability by starting to lift the psychological mask you wear each day that protects you and others from the stuff that's hard to explain and talk about. It's about sharing from the middle not just the open wounds or the healed scabs, but the messy middle. Let's go for honesty over perfection. Because I believe when you transform yourself, you automatically transform your relationships and parenting by passing down wisdom, not wounds. So if you're up for that, you definitely don't need to do it alone. I'm here to lead you on what could be the greatest adventure of your life, behind the mother mask, back home to yourself. Hello, hello, how are you? I hope you're well. We are on episode 26. Yay! <laughs> How are you feeling? Um, we're nearly there, aren't we, at Christmas? It seems to kind of, the build-up is everything and then it's gone. Sorry. Spreading Christmas love and light as always. Now, little disclaimer. I had intended or I said that I would do a episode on boundaries following the last podcast episode where I talked about Christmas and values such a good one by the way even if you love Christmas go back because it's really all about values but that would then move nicely into boundaries well I ain't got my shit together to do that yet <laughs> I'm not organized and I want to make it fabulous for you so it will it will happen but this week I have a bigger treat for you and actually I would say this is very very relevant um when we're talking about boundaries because what I'm talking about this week is about ADHD and how we can thrive and honor ourselves and get into our own rhythm and do things in a way that really suits us. So 100% relevant. And to join me is someone that has a very special place in my heart, Kate Moore Youssef, and in my journey, because it was her who posted about ADHD. And that led me to go and explore it for myself. So very special. I've been wanting to have this conversation for some time. And I know Personally, I believe that even if you don't have ADHD or that might not be a factor for you, that this episode is going to be so, so helpful. It's so honest. It's so realistic. 
And there's a lot of insight and wisdom here. Kate really is a beacon of hope and truth and honesty. So Kate is a well-being and EFT practitioner, emotional freedom technique for late in life diagnosed ADHD women. She is also the host of the award nominated the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. And Kate helps women who have just discovered why they have always felt broken and not enough. She helps them learn how to accept themselves and thrive with a new understanding of their brain. I mean, how many of us can relate to those belief systems? How many of us have felt broken or not enough? This really is going to be a valuable conversation. We cover so much, <laughs> but not enough. Like I could have talked to her for, for so much longer, but Kate talks about her diagnosis. She talks about how she was feeling before leading up to that and then how it left her feeling afterwards and going through this kind of process of, of grief and understanding that she needs to do things differently, that her brain wasn't broken or isn't broken she just needs to do things differently and then how that unfolded for her she also talks about this kind of imposter syndrome that really crept in when her podcast was nominated for an award and that ADHD people have to get out of our own heads and beliefs that we're not worthy of achieving success just because we get to where we get to in a slightly different way so valuable when it comes to self-trust also which I really am glad that we touched on is the rejection sensitivity dysphoria so this kind of really strong fear of what other people think and worry of what people are saying or fear of judgment and how crippling this can be if you don't understand it so I'm so grateful for Kate for sharing this because I think it needs a light shining on it. And from this awareness, we can grow to manage and understand and move with it. Also very important is we talk about these little T traumas. A lot of people with ADHD don't see themselves to have had significant trauma, but actually not feeling like you fit in over the course of your life, not understanding yourself academically, not understanding why you worry about things that other people don't and not having that connection and trust to yourself is traumatic. And then we talk about how we can move with this, move through this, move alongside this by the practice, the daily practice of self-awareness, and that it really is a daily practice for people with ADHD. Personally, I think that it's a really good practice anyway. But Kate talks about how getting in tune with our own rhythms, our own nervous system, our menstrual cycle can really kind of give us back energy in the longer term and shorter term. I know that you're going to really love this podcast. We cover so much. Kate has a really realistic perspective. And I'd say, you know, she talks about the power of having a really neutral mindset in avoiding the big dips, the dips and lows. So without further ado, let's, because I could talk for ages on this, couldn't I? <laughs> Let's get into episode 26 with the amazing Kate Moisef. So, hi, Kate. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Annie. Good to be here. Yeah, I, we've been trying to organise this for a little while, haven't we? And I'm so glad. And it actually, it just feels very timely 
um, right now. So thank you so much for making the time. I'm excited to speak to you. Um, Absolutely. First, I have to ask you, what does it feel like to have an award-nominated podcast? <laughs> well, it was totally... I was I was totally shocked. I mean, I went in, I, I nominated the podcast. Yeah. So you you kind of go in there and, and I had a bit of faith and belief that the podcast was making um, a big, big difference to lots of people because I was getting lots of messages all the time um, saying how much it's helped them, how much it's helped them understand themselves, how much it's helped just everything with regards to ADHD. So mm-hmm. I could feel that there was a ripple effect going on but it, it was a brand new podcast it's only been out for about four months so I wow. kind of just took a bit of a leap of faith and thought you know what even in four months you know what it's doing and how it's helping people um you know let's just give it a go and I was nominated and um, went down for the awards and um Idris Elba was giving <gasps> out the award in my ca- in this category in the well-being category I mean everyone else was sort of uh, no, no disrespect but they were sort of like you know, people in the audio industry and the podcast industry, and it was all very sort of industry. And then as a surprise, Idris Elba came out and not and, and, and read out the nominations for this, you know, for the, the well-being category. And I was just like, oh my God, can you imagine if I go up on stage and Idris Elba gives me this award? Anyway, it didn't happen, but it was very exciting. So who knows? I'm going to go in for it again and see what happens this year. Absolutely. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you you said about the impact it's having. Mm-hmm. And, and you 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 will see that from the people that are contacting you, right, that are responding and that are resonating with what you're saying. I mean, that must be that must feel amazing. It, you know what, like, it's, I think, definitely, when you've got ADHD, you don't really take on the stuff that you you're doing right I know it sounds awful because I coach people to help them you know with this but we are very good at focusing on the negative we're very good at focusing on all the the stuff that we can't do and all the criticism and, and, and all the voices in our heads and we're not very good at celebrating the stuff when it does go right or it feels so alien to us because it just doesn't feel like it happens very often and so when I got nominated, it felt very weird, overwhelming. I remember I heard about the nomination. It was a summer's evening and I got the worst migraine I've ever had, like oh. the most banging headache because I was so overwhelmed with like all these emotions. I was like, oh my God, what does this mean? I've got to go to London. I've got to do this. Da, da, da. I've got to stand up. And like all of a sudden, all the thoughts in my head just go, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and maybe a neurotypical person would have just been like cracked open the champagne and like celebrated. And, and I did put it all over social media and I did have a drink and we did celebrate, but it was a very sort of like, I don't know, it, it was a weird celebration. And then we got down for the awards and I, again, was a bit like, I don't I shouldn't really be here. Like imposter syndrome central. Um, and, wow. and again, that's a very sort of ADHD trait to have imposter syndrome because in my head, I just kind of cobbled together a podcast, cobbled together my experts, cobbled together a producer. Like it was all in my way, not done very professionally, but it deemed professional enough to be nominated for a national podcast award. So with ADHD, we have to get out of our own heads and get out of our stories and beliefs that we aren't worthy, that we are, aren't worthy of being there just because the way we got there was slightly different. or We did it in a way that wasn't sort of typical for other people. Um, you know, actually, from a, an outsider's perspective, the way I, you know, started my podcast and did what I did 
you know, was brilliant. I kind of just had an idea, went for it, didn't procrastinate, had a bit of trust, had a bit of faith and went for it. So, you know, if I'm looking at it from my coach head, I would be like celebrating, you know, my client right now. But for me, it was like, I shouldn't be here. I'm an imposter. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm still always working on myself as well. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I really appreciate your honesty because, you know, from you doing the podcast, because you had your podcast before the Ambitious Mums, and then you've gone in this direction. And I remember when you were first posting about it and I really resonated with what you were saying. And that took me down the kind of path of exploring the ADHD further. And it's really interesting because as I just asked you that about how it must feel amazing, I think, no, Annie, you're the same. Because when I get compliments, when I get feedback, it's like they don't land. Like I, I yeah. love it and I appreciate it. And I really do. And I value everyone in my audience and I love seeing transformations, but they don't get absorbed into my system. And mm-hmm. I almost describe it like finding Dory. Like I forget the next day. I forget that this person said this thing and it really made an impact. And it's like, we have to start again. <laughs> Do you get that? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, I've got, I screen grab all the amazing messages I get and, and, and anything and I, and I keep it because for me, when I'm having that bad day, I go back and there's evidence there. Like when someone, like, it feels ridiculous. I get like doctors and GPs messaging me going, thank you so much for the podcast because the resources on your podcast, there's nothing out there like that. Like you are genuinely helping lots of people understand ADHD, how it shows up. You're giving them resources. You're giving them access to guests that they'd never be able to get access to. And it like exactly what you say, it doesn't land. It doesn't, I don't absorb it. Um, so I keep this. And when I am having a bad day, I go back and I read it. Um, and and I and I try and absorb it. But I think to be honest, I just keep going. I just, you know, maybe it's a better way, you know, if if our ego was so inflated, it would yes. all be about us. And actually, my passion is being of service with the podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's actually maybe it's 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 better that we just keep plowing on plodding on we get up every day the grit the resilience that we've got and we just keep showing up because the purpose and the and the service that we are to people you know you you included um is more important than the accolades and it's more important than the the brief moments of celebration and achievement because that is very nice but in a split second it's gone and someone else is doing it and someone else is getting it and you know it was exactly that in the podcast awards is that interesting we got there and it was a gorgeous sunny day and we were having a few drinks and we were chatting to different people and then we all sat down and it was the awards and people were winning and then the next award would come the next award and ours was like towards the end and I said to my husband who was with me I said if we don't win we can just get on the next train home because you know like I've done what I needed to do and I didn't win and I literally got up very distressed discreetly and just sort of just walked out because that was it and it was over it was done so I wonder if even if I had one if I would have stayed I would just kind of you know I think maybe that's just in life we we just start we keep going we just you know wake up again and just crack on and good days bad days and having a neutral um opinion or neutral mindset helps us not have the big dips and the big lows because none of it really matters it just kind of you know, I just, I think it's just like, get up, do what's important to you, be of service, help people, look after yourself and, you know, start again. I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of a depressing 
mindset maybe I should celebrate more I don't know I 100% get it and a while ago I kind of had this revelation of who I want to be in the world and in my business and it is this kind of mentor in the hero's journey you know someone's hero's journey well I really want to be remembered as I'm this way because Annie said this oh Annie came across or like Kate and I think it that for me is enough if we if we're mm. just offering someone a new perspective a new path the, that light bulb moment where mm. they look at their life in a different way and I don't know for me it took the pressure off I thought that's a really lovely way to see it because it's maybe one podcast episode that you've done that just mm-hmm. really lands with someone and that is life-changing like we know the ripple effect 100% so I'd really love to know oh god we've got so much to talk about haven't we how are you feeling now how are you doing leading up to Christmas I'd love to find a bit more about UK and I know you're a mum how many kind of children you have and what's your real passion and drive or if you have like a bigger mission that you're living so yeah so I've got four kids um and my passion and drive is definitely trying to help myself and help others so I my I would say you know the the ADHD diagnosis is a massive thing for me because I finally helped me understand my brain my behavior my nervous system my mindset my thoughts my emotions it literally was like a life-changing moment for me so I could understand that that wasn't broken and I wasn't there was nothing wrong with me it was just my brain just worked differently and it shut and I showed up differently and I wanted to do things differently so that for me um is huge and if you know I got that then I hope that I can help inspire other people like you say sort of be that mentor guide people on that journey give them those breakthrough moments so they can empower themselves in whatever the way that is right for them you know I do I'm an EFT practitioner and for me tapping an EFT has been life-changing it's been so helpful but that tool might not be right for everyone else so it's kind of like giving people the opportunity to see how they work, see how they operate, understand it, create more awareness and more acceptance, acknowledgement, remove the judgment, the shame, the guilt, and just be a bit more like, okay with who they are and okay with, you know, what they're doing right now is enough as opposed to striving to be more, striving to do more, because I know what that's like. And that's something that I'm always battling with myself is like oh I could just do this or I can just do that and then I feel the overwhelm the burnout always creeping up so I'm totally on the same journey as my audience I may be just one or two steps ahead so I'm always experienced what my clients my audience are feeling it's just sometimes I've come up with a solution I've found a workaround a tool some scaffolding to help me but I'm 100% there as in the in the audience understanding so I would say that for me, my big mission is to be more present, to have more contentment, to to be more okay with where I am right now and to be more accepting of where I am right now and stop putting so much pressure on myself to keep doing more, producing, achieving more and maybe just kind of like enjoy life a little bit, just have a bit of fun. And when my kids are talking to me, not be on my phone. When my kids want to tell me a story, not think, oh shit, I need to send that email or um, hurry up because I need to race out to this or that. That is my that is my big goal in life. And it feels ridiculous saying that because other people have like, I'm going to, uh, you know, earn seven figures and I'm going to like, you know, have a huge business. But genuinely, I would just like to live a content present life with fulfillment and and lots of love surrounding me so yeah that's that's the big the big goal for 2023 
And I love that because I think it really is redefining success and what it means mm-hmm. to kind of be happy and whatever that happy looks like for you, 100%. And what I can really relate to as well is you're on this journey with your audience. Mm-hmm. I am the same. It, it's almost we're doing this together. And I think that's a very, even though you have amazing, like an amazing toolbox, it's a very humbling kind of nice growth journey that we're on together and I just I think it just feels really really nice to come from that energy of support because you're also sending a message that you don't have to have it all figured out before you then go and do the thing that actually you know action creates clarity and just kind of finding your way and I was talking to Dan the other day about this that you can't people have to discover their own path you know, people like us will come in and we will guide and we'll offer those light bulbs and those tools and stuff. But I think it's really helping people feel resourceful enough and mm-hmm. hopeful enough Yeah, you are a beacon of hope to be able to kind of raise their own standards and, yeah, bet on themselves a bit that we can do this and whatever that means to them. It doesn't need to be what that person is doing. And I'm sure we'll touch on comparison, but <laughs> that is something yeah. we have to keep in check, right? yeah oh I love that like bet on yourself because I for years I never did for years my self-talk was you can't do that um you're not qualified enough you're not um, experienced enough you don't understand enough you're unorganized enough like everything I was like there's no way that they do that I don't do that and then I have to say I would say that the podcast award was a little bit of a kind of like it, 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 what it did shine a bit of a light on actually you can do this you can do it your way and it's okay to do it your way and yes other people do it differently but look what's just happened you did it your way and every bit of that podcast decision was was mine like I came up with the guests the 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 title the concept like absolutely every single bit of that was was me yeah. even though I at the beginning went who's going to listen to a podcast about ADHD women and well-being I mean niche 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 um I'm going to have like 10 people in my audience and then I realized that ADHD diagnoses in women and later in life was exploding you know I was diagnosed at a time when I felt like it was still stigmatized it is still stigmatized but you know, there was a wave of women going through exactly the same thing that I'd gone through. And these women were needing the guidance and the help that I needed because the reason I set up this podcast was because I didn't, I couldn't find the resources myself. So I thought, well, I'm going to ask the questions that lots of other people are going to want to hear. So yeah, I, I really like what you just said then. It's, it's yeah, resonated. And there's so much, but I want to get into your leading up to the diagnosis so what actually sort of led you to get diagnosed was this kind of light bulb moment or was it something you were curious about over time or you thought about what was that kind of what did that journey look like yeah so again it was when I it was over lockdown at the very beginning of lockdown and I was homeschooling one of my kids and and my daughter at the time who was nine we always knew there was learning challenges going on. There was there was something going on and we'd had her assessed for different things and everything came back, back inconclusive. Now, as a, as a caveat, um, my two brothers were diagnosed with ADHD much younger on in life, you know, back in the 90s, when boys were being diagnosed, when it was very, you know, normal for a boy who was disruptive and challenging and, you know, interrupted and couldn't settle in class and all of that, like all the typical ADHD, naughty boy um, kind of, you know, stigmas, 
they they had that diagnosis. I don't know how much it helped them because again, you know, the resources weren't there, the medication was very limited. But I also knew that I had trouble focusing, concentrating, procrastinating, um, delivering things on time, anxiety, overthinking, worry. Um, everything was a bit more challenging for me academically. Like I just couldn't work out why everyone could just do the things that they were being asked to do. Whereas I was struggling with processing or putting things, getting things down on paper or doing it in a different way. And, and sometimes it wasn't wrong. Sometimes I'd have a teacher go, that's a really interesting insight. I'd not sort of seen it that way. But never did I think I was like my brothers. I was the quiet one, the shy one, the one that didn't cause a first, but probably because I was programmed to be like that because my, I was sandwiched between two boys that were very challenging for my parents. So I just, my learned behavior was to, to be quiet, stay quiet, do my own thing, stay in my room, just enjoy my time because it was all very chaotic and dysfunctional in the house. So yeah, ADHD just wasn't considered for me at all. But I did always know that there was something going on. So when I was researching for my daughter and understanding how it showed up in different capacities and in many different ways and from like a mental health perspective, mm -hmm. I saw actually that, that there was a lot of um, a lot of traits going on for me. So when she was diagnosed, I started looking into it to myself and it was you know, thankfully at a time when it hadn't exploded, it wasn't all over the press and the media. And I, I was able to get an, a private diagnosis quite quickly. And so within a couple of weeks, both me and my daughter were diagnosed together. And that just led me down this whole kind of new way of wanting to work because the women who I was attracting and wanting to work with were probably undiagnosed women with ADHD. You know, I was talking to them like I was talking to myself. But we didn't have a name. I didn't have a label. I didn't have a way of communicating and being able to share information because I didn't. I didn't connect the dots. I couldn't connect the dots. So that opened up a lot of doors for me, for myself, but also work-wise as well. And you know, now I'm just profoundly grateful that I'm able to understand myself, help my daughter, and I, I know there's other kids with ADHD in my family as well um and, and really kind of get a grip on it for myself so I can help her but also help you know my clients and all the podcast listeners but again I'm, I'm I'm still learning I'm still learning how it shows up and I'm still catching it when I think I'm you know I kind of think oh, I'm aware now I'm aware and all of a sudden it'll sneak up on me and I'll be like damn why didn't I see that coming yes. so yeah it's it's it definitely the burnout and the energy Sorry. Sorry, it keeps us on our toes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually quite interesting. I just wanted to, I got something to ask you, but you made me think of something else. So I did a vision board workshop not long ago, and it was interesting that we picked up in that vision board how I make decisions and how I make things happen because we had to write down all our successes from the last year. And and when I was asked, how did they happen? I was like, I don't know. They just happened. Like, <laughs> but that, no, that's not true. Um, but what was really interesting, and you mentioned it before, that you did your podcast your way um, mm. from this diagnosis. I can imagine you started to do things in alignment with you and your way, and it might be different. And that is exactly it. I worked out. I'm very outcome orientated. I'm a bit of a rock star. I like the celebratory energy. I like to be on stage. I like instant gratification. Mm. That's why Instagram and not getting like the likes. I'm like, what? You know, I want to feel the energy. And I used to think that was wrong. 
because you're told by the coaching world you have to put you know it takes time and you have to build up you have to be consistent and all these kind of swear words it's like no I just want to come on stage and I want people to love me um (laughs) but a version of that like I can work to it's almost like I've owned that now that that is okay that's how I work and I think as long as you're in your energy and things feel right to you people pick up on that and people Mm -hmm. are people are drawn to you being authentic but I was trying to fit myself into so many boxes especially in my business and it was failing it was falling apart I don't know what you felt about that because you had I say a very successful looking business you know like people would message me saying you look like you're winning at life but on the inside I felt like I was falling apart and just Mm -hmm. holding it together yeah yeah I mean I literally went around the houses with when I so my I originally used to work in PR um, and then I had a career break after my fourth child and um, it really kind of gave me a bit of time to just have a little think and and that's when I did loads of self-development work Um, and I started a little business myself, nothing to do with coaching and I just knew that there was something else I wanted to do. I felt like I needed to be of service, I wanted to be of service and I was always the person that I loved giving advice and I loved being an ear and I loved listening and I always wanted to kind of um, help people like find the gold in themselves. And that's when I thought, okay, coaching. So, but for me, my well-being and my lifestyle was always the utmost importance. Again, like this intuitive way of knowing that if I didn't look after myself, my ADHD, you know, what I didn't know was it was my ADHD, but I felt easily overwhelmed, anxious. Sleep was hugely important. My diet, my lifestyle, moving my body, this restless energy that was constantly there. So I kind of um curated a life that was helping my ADHD unknowingly I just didn't have I didn't know what it was um I was taking lots of supplements making sure I was drinking water like being in nature I was like oh my god this is like medicine for me so I I definitely um I needed that but then it was just kind of like oh right and I, I now need to be able to do it my way I need to be able to work out how I want to coach and and how I want to help people because the way I was being told on Instagram and on coaching programs and doing it all differently so that's when I went and did EFT because I loved EFT and I loved how it helped me feel and I thought well no one's really doing that that's a bit weird like coaching EFT but I realized that the more I lent into the way I wanted to do things that, that felt good to me that's where the success was but when I was comparing myself to others and I was doing it the formula that I was told to do it that's when I was just like banging my head against the wall I felt so worthless I felt what's wrong with me and I kept seeing and I didn't even want to call myself a coach because I would see coaches I couldn't relate to online and it would make me feel physically sick it was like this visceral reaction like going oh I don't want to be called that I don't want to do that but when I did it my way it was okay So it was a massive lesson that I just have to keep trusting myself, even though it looks weird, different. It's it's not like what other people are doing, like the way I'm doing it, I'm going to attract the people who want to be in my audience. And I've noticed that that the people who are coming in, who are contacting me, they always go, oh, I feel like I can really relate to you. We've got Mm -hmm. lots in common. Um, You know, I feel like I'm talking to a friend. And very often those clients are amazing. And those are the people who I want to work with. Or those are the listeners that contact me and say, can I come on your podcast? And I know that we'll have something to talk about. So if if you're trying to fit into a box that's not your box, it's never going to work. It's get, you're going to keep hitting you know a dead end. 
So I would just say lean into who who you are and trust that who you are is okay. And it's going to lead you down the path that you're meant to go on. But we don't know that path. Like I'm still working out that path. I'm just trusting that the next step is the right step um, and hoping that, you know, that that step, that leap of faith is the right is the right one to go for. Yeah. And it is it is breaking the rules. And I think when we feel overwhelmed and tired and confused and we don't know what's going on, we don't really have the confidence to go against the tide or go against the societal norms. But that what you've just said ripples out into every aspect, like motherhood as well, where Mm -hmm. we think we do what we should a lot because we don't want to get it wrong. And it's totally understandable. But we end up following someone else's blueprint that doesn't Mm -hmm. work or society's blueprint. And this is what I'm finding. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit at the moment is we need to really really look at the environment that we're in like you mentioned going out in nature I get relief from certain environments and other environments make me feel really really overwhelmed Mm. so it's almost really assessing okay for me it starts with like the inside and your health and what you can do from inside out but where I'm at at the moment is looking well actually where I'm living and what I'm doing and how I'm doing it if I was doing it like that I think that would really suit me but it's again coming back to that betting on yourself and building yourself up slowly and letting that path unfold where you think oh yeah you know I could do that I could change that or that and you become more confident and resourceful with what you're able to do but I think Mm -hmm. environment and I'll probably come back to this it is so key as well if I could just jump around the woods all day I'd be fine like put me in the woods hello this is (laughs) hello this is announcement from Annie sorry this is just a little interruption to the podcast because I just want to quickly tell you about something that I'm doing so I'm going to be doing a special podcast dedicated to celebrating you and what I would absolutely love is for you to be involved. So I'm asking my my listeners and my community to share their reflections from 2022 for me to then read out in this special podcast. So if you fancy doing that, I promise you it will be a beautiful, enlightening, gorgeous episode where we just feel like we can truly come together and be seen and celebrate. Then please do fill out the form The link is in the show notes. Now, I'm doing this in a really lovely way. I'm asking you to share a hardship, so a challenge from 2022 that you've had to overcome and what you've learned. A hero's story where you have been the hero in someone else's story, but someone has been a significant influence in your story too. And then a highlight. What has been one of your biggest kind of achievements? What has it taught you about yourself? So there's actually five questions if you are up for it. Um, And like I said, you can be anonymous or you can put your name to it. Absolutely go with whatever you feel comfortable with. It's going to make it a really special podcast episode. Now, the only thing is, is I needed it by today. (laughs) Friday the 16th, but I'm going to give you the weekend. If you can for me to record on Monday, get it to me by Monday, Sunday night, please. Um, That would be amazing. You just need to click on the link and fill out the form. It will automatically come to me. Okay, let's get back to the amazing Kate Moiseff. Going back before you had the diagnosis, because you mentioned this kind of feeling of feeling sort of not enough or broken. What were some of the things, were there some labels or categories or things that you thought you had? Or did you Google or did you think there was other things that were going on diagnoses? 
before you got to the ADHD? Like, did you question? Yeah, yeah. So it's weird because I I should know. I should have known at the age of mid-30s what anxiety was, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I just called myself a worrier. I was neurotic. I would worry about the small things. Um, it would keep me up at night. Um, I had IBS growing up. I would feel it in my body like I would this fifth. It would be a bodily reaction, but it was only until like my mid thirties, late thirties, I maybe spoke to someone and they went, you know, that you, you know, you're suffering from anxiety and I went, anxiety, I mean, that's like crippling, isn't it? Um, And I, I realized that it was this low level of anxiety that I was constantly living with. It was just this brain that would never switch off, that would never relax, that I was always in hypervigilant mode. I was always thinking and worrying about what's going to happen next and, you know, catastrophizing and looking into the future. And I just didn't know that was anxiety. So I would belittle myself and tell myself, oh, come on, Kate, like, what's wrong with you? Like, people don't worry about that stuff. You know, just stupid things. I would be, you know, we went, we went to Ibiza for a friend's 40th a few years ago. And he very kindly took us to a club and I'd not been to, you know, a big club in Ibiza for about 20 odd years. And instead of relaxing and enjoying myself, I would be like, it's very busy in here. Where are the fire exits? That balcony doesn't look very safe. There's too many people. It was literally like I was trying to spot danger, which is why people with ADHD are fantastic in emergency situations. You know, put an ADHD in an, uh, you know, an A&E or a fire department or anything like that. And we are like, watching out we are checking all the danger issues and we are you know bang on it but it's not very good if you're living like that day to day you know that cortisol that's in your body the whole time constantly fearing the worst so that was me you know when with four kids constantly worrying it was it was put a huge strain on my nervous system on my mental health and I was snappy I was um, irritable I was resentful I was angry my husband couldn't understand it then obviously lockdown COVID came and I could feel this like bubbling up even more and even more. So I called the GP and the GP was a bit like, well, everyone's a bit anxious. You know, we're in the middle of lockdown and, you know, COVID and all of this. But I actually wasn't anxious about COVID. Mm. Weirdly, I think in my sort of hypervigilant me- brain, I'd already gone there. Like I'd already predicted a pandemic years ago. <laughs> so I was kind of like absolutely fine with that, with the the way things were, like I was actually quite happy because it had taken loads of factors out of my life that I didn't have to worry about. Uh, but the anxiety was still there. So I went to the GP and I said, I don't think it's the anxiety. I think there's something else going on. There's something. Anyway, it was me going back to the GP a few weeks later going, listen, it's it's not anxiety. It, it, it possibly is. And she wanted to give me anxiety medication. So I then, after my all my research about ADHD, I said, I think I've got ADHD. Bearing in mind, I'm talking to an, a, a GP here and I really had to convince her. I had to advocate for myself. I had to pull out all the wow. evidence. I had to talk about my brothers. I had to talk about my well-being training. I had to talk, give her articles. And it was literally convincing the GP to help me. And it was really hard work. And I, you know, put, give so much compassion to women who don't have all my background and maybe don't have the advocacy 
kind of power that they have because if you're being disregarded and invalidated by a GP yes that is going to have a huge knock-on effect to your self-worth even more the self-esteem of all the self-talk that you've already been telling yourself all your life the GP is going to turn around and go well you are a bit broken you are a bit flawed maybe just do try a bit harder and anyway thankfully my GP um in the end was was very understanding and actually very appreciative that I'd come to her and, and given her all of this information. Um, because she said to me, you've got four kids, of course you're overwhelmed. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Of course you're anxious. I would say, but this has been going on for much longer. This is not just this past six months. So, um, so yeah, so it was, it was very important for me to understand the history of how it all showed up and for me to be able to get a better understanding. I can't even remember what your question was, but. <laughs> no, that's perfect. And and just to say, like you've hit on a really important point that it does get normalized, overwhelm. Oh, you're a mum now. You're going to be depleted, exhausted, pandemic. You know, it gets normalized. But I didn't realize that my level of overwhelm was more than your mm. average neurotypical. Like that was like my emotional home. That is where I lived. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it's a really good point and you're absolutely right you know not to 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 knock gps but there are they have such a big influence when we go and ask for help and it's like when you get your bloods back and they're all within their ranges mm. know that you're fine but you know you're not fine you're right it reinforces that belief that there's something wrong with you and you're the problem and good for you because that that kind of you know understanding and deeper insight is gonna open their eyes hopefully and, and give them that greater awareness and thank goodness there is people like you and more resources out there because you know I don't know how you feel about about this but I know Gabor Mate said it's not a medical problem it's not a pathology and I think that when we go to GPs they do what they can with the tools they have mm -hmm. which is kind of rooted in medication and a lot of that sort of limited advice is because they've got limited tools and that's what they're there for really but it's for people to understand that there are other avenues as well as mm -hmm. and what how did you feel when you got diagnosed what was the initial kind of feeling yeah the initial feeling was embarrassment shame oh my God, what are people going to say? How am I going to tell my parents? They're going to dismiss this because I don't look like my brothers. What are my in-laws going to say? What's this one going to say? It was constant like fear of what are people going to say, which is the way I'd live my life, which we know, now know is RSD, which is rejection sensitivity dysphoria. It's um, a huge trait part of um, ADHD. It's crippling, it's debilitating, and it can ruin people's lives if you don't understand it. Yeah. So I couldn't understand my whole life why I always worried what people would think of me. Like, why? What happens if I say this? Or what happens if I do that? People are going to laugh at me. People are going to think that's ridiculous. And my husband's like the opposite. My husband's just like, who cares? Like, who cares what people think? Like, just do your thing. And I was like, but how can you think like that? In my head, I was thinking about this person in the school gates, that person that follows me on Instagram, this relative that's like this, that person doesn't understand neurodivergence. And it was like my brain was was going to explode even more than it was. Yes. <laughs> so I really had to go through a process. There was a huge, you know, again, this is something I, I help a lot of my clients with, like the, the process of this grief of all the stuff that we've missed, all the stuff that we didn't understand. Um, and that did take a while. And funny enough, I, I wanted to go straight into helper mode. You know, mm. again, immediately I was like, right, I've got ADHD. I'm going to help loads of people with ADHD and I'm going to, rewrite my website and I'm going to do this I'm going to announce this and 
actually it was someone I knew um, from a long time ago who reached out to me because she saw me on an ADHD group because I kind of went, I've been diagnosed, now what? And she messaged me and she said, you need to sit with this and you need to sit with it for a little while. She said six months it took her to be able to even process it. And then you need to decide who you want to talk to because there's going to be people out there that are going to be dismissive and are going to invalidate what you've gone through. And that's going to really hurt. So I took time. I probably didn't even tell my parents for maybe a few months. And then I just chose very carefully. I didn't make this big grand announcement Um I don't even know what I did, but I, I really was very selective of, over who I told. And even now, you know, two years on, over two years on of, of being diagnosed officially and having the podcast and having an Instagram account and all of this, there's certain people who I just, they, I kind of like drop it into conversation. They go, really? What do you mean you've got ADHD? You don't look like you've got ADHD. How have you got ADHD? I thought ADHD was just for kids. And I kind of think, oh, my God, like, I can't even have this conversation. So I'm really good at being open in these safe environments with people like yourself who understand it, who want to talk about it. But I still feel very kind of like closed and don't particularly want to open up if I don't feel safe, if it feels like it's going to I'm going to be rejected or criticized or there's going to be feedback there. So it's it, I would say there's probably a protective mechanism going on as well, where I know where I want to share, what I want to share to the people that need to hear it. And then I kind of think, you know what, I don't need to share with everyone. Like I don't need like the whole world. First of all, people don't care. Genuinely, people just don't care. They have their own shit going on. And secondly, people come to me like in various social situations and kind of go, well, I've been following you. Or I've been listening to your podcast and just want to let you know that I think I've got ADHD and I'm going to get diagnosed. And it's like people I would never have thought. So, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just kind of focus on your journey and, and maybe just kind of hope that what you're doing is going to help others. It's going to shine a light, but don't do it for others. Do it for yourself and, you know, do what feels right for you and then see what happens from there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that safety is huge. You know, it might not sound like a very sexy goal in life, like I want to feel safe, but it's so essential. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, part of this process is understanding yourself more and what does make you safe, environments, relationships, you know, this kind of thing. And I think we become very, very aware of, of, of those things. And we get stronger in our boundaries. And maybe there are certain people that, you know, we don't feel we can be ourselves so much around and we need to kind of protect that. And I think what I'm trying to say and what you touched on is even though we can feel stronger and we know ourselves better and we can feel good and there can be certain areas of our life like now with our business and when we're around our tribe and we're talking our talk, it feels great. We can still, there can still be scenarios where we feel vulnerable Mm -hmm. and and that's okay you know it's almost like that acceptance that that's okay that we mm -hmm. can't make other people understand we can't make them approve or accept us in that way and I think that is part of the journey do you find that 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 is part of yeah. the process yeah like I thought at the beginning I had this duty to announce it like I was being untruthful if I didn't announce it to all my close friends and it was almost like a, do I need to send a WhatsApp message about this? <laughs> like I've been diagnosed with ADHD. Like this is why I am who I am. And actually, first of all, the people who love me 
and accept me for exactly who I am. Don't really care. Like, don't really care if there's a label or there's not a label. It's just like, well, you are who you are and that's why we love you. And that was really nice. Um, so I just think, yes, safety is is a, is very important when you want to be vulnerable. But I also think it's important to be vulnerable because if I hadn't started the podcast or I hadn't started talking about it on social media, like there's a lot of people out there that probably wouldn't have been helped. But I always do it in the way that feels right to me. So I know on social media, there's loads of accounts with like millions of followers and they post very cool videos and they post them when they're in their like lowest of lows and talk about things that are very personal but I don't particularly want to do that like I kind of want to protect myself and my family and I don't really want to have to go and expose every element of my life Mm. so I do I do I talk about a lot of stuff on the podcast because I know that people who are listening to the podcast are there to learn social media is a bit different because anyone can you know see it and there's hashtags and all of that so I kind of keep a bit of a closer guard on my social media Mm. but then I kind of think oh I haven't got enough followers and I should be really pushing more and if I want to do this and do that I need to like put my followers up but actually that won't make me feel safe so I have seen that when I'm open and talk about my ADHD on the podcast that is helping a lot of people there's a lot of people listening Um, Do I need to go there and talk about it on social media? Probably not. So I guess just choose, choose what feels right. Mm. Um, You know, this, this conversation here, you know, I'll I'll share it on my social media, Mm. but there's a lot of people that won't bother listening if they're not interested in ADHD, but there'll be a lot of people that who are interested will want to listen and they'll hear me being vulnerable and that's fine. Yeah. And you get to choose. And I was just going to ask you, you must, I see some stuff on social media about ADHD, whereas like, I do not agree with that. Like, I do not agree with that kind of mindset or like, you know, um, understanding of it. I have my own understanding. Um, but I think like you said, I'm still developing that and my relationship with myself. I try not to put myself into that box too much or label myself. You know, naturally I'm kind of really interested on the behind the scenes and underneath the surface and like the why question and all of this, as well as accepting things. But how do you see it like ADHD? What's your kind of view? How do you think it kind of develops, especially in women? And what are some of the common underlying kind of themes or threads that run through those symptoms maybe? Yeah, so I would say, look back over your life, look back how it's shown up in different capacities, um, because it can change and evolve. Um, We know with ADHD, hormones play a huge um, part. So we've got, um, we've got the the dopamine, which we are naturally low in, and that um, connects with the estrogen. So when they, our dopamine is lower, sorry, when our estrogen is lower, our dopamine is lower. So during puberty, it's really hard. We can have those fluctuations. Um, Pregnancy is is better for us uh, typically because we um, have higher levels of estrogen. And then when we give birth, then our estrogen drops off the cliff. And that is why many people do suffer with, um, I'd say, Many women who have had babies with ADHD suffer more potentially with postnatal depression or low mood. Um, we have a higher instance of PMS, PMDD. Yeah. So this and, and then perimenopause is also a much tougher time. And a lot of women are being diagnosed in perimenopause because 
they've just about managed to kind of scrape through life without thinking, you know, this, or they've been misdiagnosed with depression, anxiety, um, personality disorders, um, you know, bipolar, all sorts of things. There's been addiction, there's been disordered eating, there's been, um, you know, all sorts, like, like I said, anxiety plays a huge role. There's a thread with all sorts of things, but then we've also got the the concentration, the focus, the faffing, the uh, procrastination, the disorganization, the timekeeping. Um, and then when it all kind of like connects together, then we can understand it. But then the perimenopause comes and our estrogen drops again. But unfortunately, because we're not teenagers anymore, we don't get that big surge. So we're sort of drop, drop, dropping. It kind of comes up a little bit and then goes back down again. So we are feeling it more in perimenopause. So I would say, you know, start having a little look about how it's shown up in your life in different ways, in different times, hormonally how it showed up. It shows up in, in, in our physical body as well. You know, there's a much higher instance of autoimmune disorders, gut issues, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, um, chronic pain. It's it's so encompassing in so many different facets of our life that so many doctors and physicians don't know it. Like they don't know that if you go for gut issues and you've had anxiety, but you've had this and you've had that and sleep problems, that perhaps the ADHD is the common denominator. And that's why these conversations are so important, because it's empowering for us to be able to connect those dots and go, right, I'm creating a case here. And I can then go to my GP and say, here, here is what I've been going through. Here's an article that supports this. Um, I need help. Um, because like you say, GPs, are, you know, they, they've got so much going on and, um, you know, they, they've got very limited resources and so mm. for them to be able to diagnose ADHD in five or six minutes is almost impossible yeah no I, I totally understand and you know I've spoken about this a lot I've actually got rid of all of my PMDD symptoms now and suffered for decades but PMDD ADHD huge correlation and the postnatal I look at postnatal depression completely differently now it's mm -hmm. completely differently and uh, yeah it makes you reflect back over so much and I think it is looking at all these things for me it's the nervous system that kind of connects all of that mm -hmm. um, and then what has happened to the nervous system to put it in the state of sensitivity hypervigilance and I think sensitivity is huge like I kind of describe myself as being a raw nerve to picking up on the environment like I'll pick up mm -hmm. on everything um I'll pick up I'm very empathic and I don't know if you're seeing this, like I'm seeing a lot of people, um, I know there's more awareness, but being diagnosed post-pandemic where COVID, like that was for me, it screwed up my nervous system because of the inflammation and, um, you know, I'm predisposed to kind of a not very well-functioning nervous system, let's put it that way. And yeah. that it felt like, and this is how I kept describing it, it felt like someone had disconnected my nervous system. And that was what took me, I read your post and then took me to the diagnosis because it was like things are just falling apart. So even though that was a bad event and I understand around the kind of post-viral inflammatory cascade and all this, how this kind of happened, but it, I, I look back and it's not, I'm glad it happened because it kind of revealed the stuff that was always there. 
you know it's kind of like a new name for an old friend it, it was always there and now that for me is ammunition it's empowerment that it's understanding I think and awareness that I can treat myself in the in a different way and look at myself in a different way so and so I'm seeing I don't know if you're seeing more people coming forward or diagnosis obviously you're in this world but just coming out of the pandemic more women are kind of aware yeah yeah I would say I think it's just uh, the awareness probably from the pandemic of understanding ourselves and how we operate. And again, you know, that nervous system. And I just think it's so integral. Like yes. if someone could t- change the name of ADHD yes. And, yes. And, and include the word nervous system, then um, it is, it's like an overactive nervous system, you know, well, and then we can, understand, we can understand because I think the post that you're talking about was I put something on social media, you know, must be six months ago about the connection between ADHD and the nervous system and how I use lots of different things like grounding and outdoor swimming and being in nature and breath work and EFT. And it's like a bloody full-time job, just kind of having a, a relatively calm nervous system. And I could just couldn't understand before I was diagnosed why I had to work so much harder than other people just to feel calm, regulated, not anxious, not overwhelmed. Like just, I didn't, I didn't want like anything like huge happiness and like, you know, giddiness. I just wanted to not feel like I was in danger and it felt like I was in danger. Now, obviously there's trauma going on and people have different childhoods and you obviously know huge amount about this, but there's also an element of lots of little T traumas going on in our life with undiagnosed ADHD, yes. whether it's not feeling like we fitted in at school or academically not understanding ourselves or not understanding why we worried about certain things and other people didn't. So that in itself is just like not, not having that connection to yourself, not quite understanding, I think is quite traumatic. So I just struggled all the time with my nervous system. So why I had to walk barefoot on the grass like every day during the pandemic, for me, that helped. My kids laughed at me, but actually I got a couple of them doing it with me and I was like, okay, that's fine. So I wrote that post and I got a huge um, amount of interest and people kind of like resonate and go, oh my God, you're speaking my language. Like I've never been able to make that connection. Mm. So for me now... I try and help a lot of people with like calming and regulating their nervous system. That's why I do a lot of work with EFT because just the tapping on the acupressure points alone is calming our nervous system. It's reducing the cortisol. It's allowing us to breathe, take a breath, have a pause. Mm. And we can go a million miles an hour with ADHD. We're like machines, but then we burn out and we just literally have to lie on a couch in a dark room because we can't, we have got nothing left to give. So it's it's being aware of that, being aware that we are capable of so much, but at the detriment of our nervous system. Mm. So it's trying to moderate all of that all the time. Oh, honestly, I think I described in one of my podcasts that if you've seen the film, The Gremlins, you're not allowed to feed them after midnight, you can't get them wet. <laughs> that was like looking after my nervous system, like I had to keep the right food, <laughs> the right supplements, like, is everyone okay? But what's yes. interesting and what we're talking about is um the body and I think there's still that misunderstanding or stigma that it's brain and head and we kind of cut 
the the rest of ourselves off but actually the nervous system goes like he said it's attached to the gut it's attached to hormones it it connects every system in the body and it goes throughout the whole body and that opens a world of opportunity and tools up to help us befriend and regulate our nervous system and I just uh, it would be great coming up to Christmas and obviously there's a lot on and that's going to mean different things to different people um what are your biggest kind of tools and strategies that you either use on a, I say daily basis, but you know, you can rely on them. And what are some of the things that really work with your community that you support? So, I mean, from a personal perspective, I am constantly checking my diary. Like I check my diary the next week. So I look and see what have I committed to? What's going to overwhelm me? What's going to like constantly putting buffers in whenever I've got time for a walk, whenever I've got time to have lunch. Again, I know I'm in a privileged situation to be able to do this. A lot of people can't, you know, they're back to back in meetings and they're in an office and they don't work from home. And for me, like knowing that I walk my dog every day is, is essential. That's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that I'm eating like good food I'm not snacking on rubbish I'm not eating processed food because I know with my IBS like the gut brain is is huge so I look after my gut and I feel clearer my my mind's clearer there's no sort of brain fog um I take lots of supplements mm-hmm. I really do try my hardest to to have breath to have a breathers to pause to not overwhelm myself but I've got four kids and they've all got needs and I am running around all the time, you know, like after four o'clock, I'm in the car, out the car, in the car activities for them. Like I try so hard all the time to reset, to kind of look and see what's tipping me over. But I would just say it's like a daily awareness, just checking in every day. What reset button can I press? How can I help myself here? Who can I delegate to? What can I pull back from? What have I ever committed to? Where can I say no? what um is feasible with the energy that I've got right now looking at my cycle you know I know that the first two weeks of my cycle are better than my last two weeks Mm -hmm. so again it sounds exhausting to be this aware and it is sometimes but the awareness the self-awareness then delivers the self-compassion it delivers the opportunity to um know that it's okay to not do it all and be it all so you know, we put a huge amount of pressure and expectation on ourselves, I think, with ADHD, because our brain is constantly going. So it, it's just trying to be more and do less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds simple, but it's not. But ultimately, Kate, we come back to these simple foundations and building blocks that are important, that they are essential, like 100 percent. And and actually, like you said, that awareness, that investment in awareness, you kind of get used to it and you have to keep reminding yourself, but it gives you back energy. It gives you back time. It it really does pay you back. Like, that's what I find. And yeah, cycle, definitely get to know the rhythm of your cycle because it's okay. And this is coming back to us doing things our way to actually, as much as you can, I appreciate people in different situations, environments, to actually have that awareness around your own rhythm and do Mm. things your way in alignment with that rhythm of your nervous system and your needs. And I think that is so powerful. And don't worry if it's different to what someone else is doing or what someone else is saying. It works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think are the superpowers of having ADHD? 
yeah I would say the superpowers are sometimes I like that word sometimes I don't because yes I, I agree <laughs> challenges definitely outweigh it but I you know my ethos is very much working like strength-based and th- helping people to thrive and acknowledging the challenges accepting the challenges trying to help our challenges um without dismissing them but also you know I think we are resilient we're imaginative we're empathic we're energetic we're youthful we're charismatic we're friendly we're honest we're kind I really do believe that those traits those personality traits are very powerful we there's a much higher level of entrepreneurship with ADHD we are thinking outside the box we've got new ideas new perspectives we are happy to try things I think I think we're quite happy to kind of put ourselves out there it's maybe the impulsivity and the curiosity side of us where we kind of throw quite a lot of stuff at the wall and hope something sticks and very often it does um and we kind of pick ourselves up when the stuff doesn't stick and we kind of go right oh well, well let's try this so there are lots of amazing qualities and you know if you've got a kid with ADHD you'll see that they are um they can be really fun to be around but we also have to navigate the harder the darker challenges the the mental health side where that can take over I think the luckier ones with ADHD are the ones that have had a supportive partner family they've financially been able to afford support they've had um role models in their family they whether they you know it's coaching mentor family member that's really sort of like seen seen that they can do things and really cheerlead them and pick them up we see people with ADHD who unfortunately haven't had that and you know there's a huge incident of um ADHD in in, in prison and crime you know there's this talk of it being like 85 percent of prisoners um have got ADHD because they've they've not they've witnessed dysfunction Mm -hmm. they've probably had an undiagnosed parent addiction is huge so there's like drug related crime impulsivity you know just doing things without thinking um they we are huge seekers of justice as well so if you're the type of person that steps in when someone's being bullied or you know a keyboard warrior and you can get yourself into trouble with that as well but it can also be you know a really positive trait because for me if I see someone like an underdog or I see someone being bullied or I hear someone say something negative about someone or someone makes a nasty sarcastic quip about someone, my blood just like rages. Um, you know, my biggest thing with my kids is like, God forbid, if they're a, a bully or they say something, they're not mean or they're, 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 they're not kind to someone. Sorry, they're mean or they're not kind that like just something just comes over me. So we have to kind of keep a bit of a check on that. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say with ADHD, we can embrace so much of, of our strengths. But surround yourself with those positive people. Surround yourself with the cheerleaders. Find a coach, find a mentor, find someone that is there, that accountability person. You know, Dr. Ned Halliwell talks about mm. finding, you know, that partner. And unfortunately, so many of us, you know, ADHD impacts our relationships. But if you've got a partner that understands you and celebrates you and doesn't judge you or, 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 you know, make you feel bad and they help you, they help you see the good in you when you can't see it. That's a huge, huge um, plus for someone with ADHD. 
And you hit the nail on the head with cheerleader. I think that's what I, that is so important to me. It's a value. I have got so many care bears and I haven't bought them for Bonnie, they're for me. But they are to remind me that cheerleading and caring, like that is so important. And that is the kind of echo of love I want to pass on to Bonnie. That is what I I pride myself on as a mum and in my community and work. And my husband luckily is a cheerleader. And I think what's hard when you're, when you find out that you have ADHD is, I don't know if you've experienced this, is that you notice the people that aren't cheerleaders. So it's not just necessarily mm-hmm. they don't accept you or anything like that. It's they're not cheerleaders. And I only have room at this point in my life for cheerleaders because I'm up leveling with everything. And it's exciting. But as you know, it's that fine balancing act at the same time. And we can slip back into that not feeling safe and rejection kind of mode. So sometimes I can and I'll beat myself up for this is cut not cut people off like fuck them to f off but just emotionally put this energetic boundary right I'm just gonna focus here Uh, and then I think oh no Annie I should be better in my relationship I make I should make more effort but I think a lot of us do make effort and we do try and we over explain ourselves and all of this stuff and it gets to a point where we stop doing that I think I don't know if you if that resonates with you at all yeah I think energetically I feel people a lot more now and I feel the energy of who I want to be with yeah and maybe it's because we've done a lot of self-development work maybe because we are we've done a lot of work in this area of of coaching and helping people and you know boundaries we you know you can't do the work that we're doing without doing the work on yourself so I'm constantly like you say again up leveling whether it's business wise or um person personal wise but I notice the people that aren't the cheerleaders as well I notice those people and I notice that they step back from me maybe they don't like what I'm talking about maybe they just don't get it maybe you know our paths aren't meant to cross anymore like there's so many different ways of looking at it and I just think surround yourself by people like who've got a positive impact on you surround yourself by people who make you feel good who you want to spend time with because with ADHD we our energy is so important and it's so finite that we if we were around people that are sapping and draining us that is you know that that takes me like a few days to recover like if I'm with people I'm like oh my god that energy was so draining I find that really hard but I on the flip side get really uplifted by people and that that they can have a huge impact on me so if I've had like a great conversation or done a workshop and they've been surrounded by people with like similar mindset I'm like bouncing around super happy like Mm -hmm. super inspired so we have a choice in life we have a choice to to gravitate towards the people and the things and, and and all you know anything that makes us feel good because what's the point like what is the point in life of like resisting and drudging and and trying and all the you know all the time trying to be someone that you're not and be with people that don't resonate with you so we have to make that choice it's our responsibility I love that. And I can totally relate to that. And the people hangover is real, by the way. People hangover. It's not just about alcohol. Uh, There's two questions I just want to ask you because I should have asked this earlier on. But what was the mask you wore when you didn't know about the ADHD? And so you mentioned when you were younger, it was almost like you kept quiet. For me, it was that good girl type thing where you just get on with it and you look fine. Um, And then can you still wear a mask from time to time, whether that's perfectionism or people pleasing? Like, yeah 
um yeah probably very similar to you it was very much a good girl quiet um don't I I, I think in front of my husband he he knew me he always knew me like he always knew that I was quite witty and um you know really big picture thinking and could see different things and quite intuitive but I really probably did keep a lid on that um and I did mask a lot of my worry and anxiety and things like that. I probably masked what I would, I thought was ditziness, but now I understand it's just ADHD, like the forgetfulness. And I'd feel really bad about that and my scattiness and all things like that. So now I understand ADHD. I'm a bit more like, there's, that's my ADHD. Like I forgot, or like I totally missed something or, oh my God, like how could I have forgotten to do that thing? Like, now I have more compassion. I just kind of go, that is my brain. That is, I just out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. All or nothing thinking like this is ADHD. So it's a bit more like, oh, well, you know, so what? Where before I probably would have like ruminated about it and really beat myself up. And now it's like, move on, move on. It's done. It's over. It's finished. Unless it has really upset or offended someone. Like if it has, and I've forgotten something important. I will try my hardest to, to make amends. But on the whole, I'm a bit more like, oh, well, it's, you know, life's too short. Let's just move on. Beautiful. So, yeah. <laughs> to finish, why do you think so many women suffer in silence and kind of wear the mask and don't reach out for help? Um, I just think that we don't understand it. You know, we're on this precipice of understanding neurodivergence, what it looks like in women, especially how it shows up, the nuances of it. Like we we don't understand it. We're living it. So we're working on real time here. You know, maybe in 20 years time, we're going to look back and be like, what the hell? Like this is that was archaic. Even 10 years time, you know, if you think about the mental health conversations that we're having now, that wasn't happening 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, the, the the conversations that we are able to be more open about our depression and our anxiety, like that was embarrassing and stigmatized 10 years ago. You know, if you go on LinkedIn and you see people talking about mental health, you know, in big corporate and in work and neurodiversity in work, like these conversations weren't having happening five years ago. So we're just going to be working with the times and understanding more. And as I work in this arena, I'm going to be understanding more and learning more. You know, I speak to psychiatrists who are, who are understanding how ADHD shows up in different ways. Like even now they're like, they're doing brain scans and they're seeing it and they're understanding how medication can work in that area, but not in that area. Mm. So we're just at the, we really are at the beginning. Um, yes. So I'm excited. I'm excited for more women to be able to understand themselves better so they can drop the old conditionings because we are, I believe this generation of women who are in their sort of thirties and forties who are, riding on the back of this new wave of like feminism and feminine energy and stepping into this this power that we've got but we're also riding on the back of this old conditioning of women should be this and mums need to be that that and this is what's right for women so i think we're in a very confusing kind of sandwich generation of wanting to be open and wanting to kind of like have have no shame 
but we're also being pulled back there's there's an energy that's pulling us back so I just hope that you know for our kids for our daughters that there'll be just so much more understanding and acceptance and compassion and maybe they won't even need the compassion because they'll understand themselves better who knows but I, I think we're right at the very beginning yeah I love that and I love everything that you've said and I know I could talk 11 11 sorry angel numbers I know that we could talk for a lot longer and I'm really grateful for your time I'm going to put the link to your podcast and where people can find you and follow you in the show notes but I just want to say a big big thank you oh well thank you I've loved this absolutely love this conversation thank you for inviting me on thank you so much and I know that this conversation is going to help so many so thanks so much and I hope you have a lovely Christmas Wow, amazing, Kate. Thank you so much. And if you enjoyed that episode, please let us know, drop me a message. And also, if you feel called to, please, please, please leave me a review. It really means a lot. It allows the podcast to get out to more and more mums. So thank you, thank you. And just a quick reminder, sorry, I'm not sure if I said it at the beginning. To follow Kate, please do go and check her out. She's on Instagram. She has a closed community. She's got her amazing podcast, her website, the support that she does. We've put all the links in the show notes for you to go and, and follow her and check her out. And please do, if you have the time, fill out my little form if you want to be part of my very special Celebrating You podcast episode where we get to reflect together on 2022 in a very lovely way. Okay, brilliant. Anything at all, drop me a message. I'm always here and I hope you have a good week. I will be back next week with another episode of Behind the Mother Mask. Take care.